Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop here alongside Michael Garrell, Trey Colbeck, and Adam Stewart. Welcome one and all to our 2022 CFL West Division Preview Show. Yes, we're back talking actual football here again because the CBA is finally done for real this time. We kid you not. CFL uh, CBA Celebration Podcast 2.0, anybody? Um, the deal is done. Preseason football has taken place. The players are back on the field and the season begins in just over a week time. Uh, very exciting to have the CFL back. Uh, if you missed it last week, uh, we talked about the East division today. We're here to talk about the five teams out West before I bring in the rest of the panel to do so. I do want to mention, we are a proud member of the Canadian football podcast network. And as always, want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now let's bring in the rest of the crew here first. It's the great Michael Garrell. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I am fantastic. I am absolutely terrific. Uh, I'd be lying if I wasn't watching golf earlier tonight. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen taking on Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Quite the exhibition, but now I'm excited to talk football. Right on. Happy to have you here tonight, Mike, uh, and with us as well from the fields over in Saskatchewan. It's the president of the Paul McRoberts Jr. Fan Club. Uh, the great Adam Stewart is here. Adam, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing okay. Just trying to, you know, do a few more acres as we can here. Uh, like I said, been going okay. Uh, had a little trouble today, but that's neither here nor there. That's farming. So, yeah, no, excited to talk. Finally, a little bit of West Division uh, football and maybe uh, make some fun of your guys' Winnipeg Blue Bombers, even though last night sure, sure wasn't easy to do that with. <laughs> yes, of course, the Bombers and the Riders playing preseason action last night. Happy to have you here tonight as well, Adam. And last but not least, the great Trey Colbeck is here. Trey, how are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic as well. Wish I was doing better at uh, Cinnaboya Downs right now, but, you know, can't win them all. Also, just looking forward to talk West Division. Uh, I don't know, that last night's game just made me so ready for Banjo Bowl Labor Day. I don't know about you guys, but, like, that's all I wanted last night. So I'm really, really excited to get the season going. Yeah, last night had the feeling of, uh, you know, despite it being, like, five starters apiece on each side of the field, something about the rivalry still makes it feel like, it was a regular season game between the Bombers and Riders. We've had a couple of preseason games underway so far. Uh, we'll touch on those uh, a little bit here as well before we get into the West preview. But uh, we're live here, uh, wherever you're watching, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, of course. Uh, if you're joining us live, we're after the fact there. Uh, leave your comments in the chat. We'll be taking those throughout the show as well. And uh, if you're listening in the podcast feed afterwards, uh subscribe over on uh youtube and uh join the chat next time we'll be live here all season long uh what first of all we gotta put the final cap on the series of cba talks here guys uh because we thought we were done then we weren't now it's officially done 
The CBA has been ratified. We're done with that talk for at least five years, up to seven years. Uh, very exciting to have that done. Quick initial reactions on the CBA being done. Let's start with you, Mike. Well, to me, Ryan, I mean, there was a lot of, and I, I, I can't remember, I had this discussion with somebody on the, on the, on the podcast. Uh, I can't remember who it was, so forgive me. Um, you know, just about how, you know, when we had that initial celebration podcast, that, you know, things weren't as they seemed, right? I mean, we heard, I think it was from the Alouettes player rep who said, you know, this may or may not be a done deal. And at first I was thinking, well, that's, you know, a disgruntled player probably not happy with the terms. Neither is everybody going to be happy with the terms of a collective bargaining agreement. Rarely ever does a collective bargaining agreement uh, satisfy everybody. But, you know, with some massaging of the numbers and moving some money around, you know, it's, it's a deal that still made sense. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's the deal that benefits the players more than it does the owners in my mind. But again, you know, there was some give and take, I think, both ways. Um, you know, I, we're not going to see, I don't think, the true benefits of the benefit of this collective bargaining agreement until you know, maybe next year or the year after. Um, you know, Randy Ambrosi keeps saying, well, you know, this was a, I can't remember his exact words, but, you know, this was something that kind of uh, set the CFO up for long-term success. I'm going, I'm skeptical as to what the CFO got out of this deal, but the players, they got a lot more than I thought they would. Uh, they hung in tight and... You know what? I think this is a beneficial deal, and I'm hoping I'm not just saying this because it's lip service. I hope that this is an actual partnership and no under the table conniving going on. Um, I think the big win was the CFLPA being able to audit um, the CFO's books to an extent. Uh, that was a really, really big concession among among other things. But I'm just hoping as much animosity as there was during this negotiation, but we're finally starting to see what I hope is a true, true partnership between the sides. Because I think in actuality, both sides need each other. Now we can work on improving the game together and not under own personal agendas. Yeah, we have a comment here in the Facebook chat. Chris uh, Chris Agger is joining us here. Says, hey guys, I'm so happy the CBA is longer than a couple of years. I hope this provides stability and the longer term allows for better player marketing. Uh, Adam, let's go to you next on this one. Uh, what do you What do you think of the the length of this deal and what this means for the future for the CFL? I really love the length of it because. You've got seven years now of stability for a league that's going to have other leagues that are going to try to take it down, essentially, right? You know the XFL's coming. They're probably going to do an okay job. But you know what? I look at it as the Canadian Football League now knows that it's going to be around for a long time and is able to keep itself going for a long time. I think that really, I like I said, I really like this deal, how it's been structured. I think that the players have gained a little bit. The... Uh, uh, what do you call it? the owners have gotten a few things that they need. And I think overall it's a good deal all around. 
And yeah, it's going to put stability into a league that has been lacking that for a very long time. Uh, overall, like I said, it, it went and got hot real quick there. And I was getting very nervous under the collar that Trey might have been right that we were going to be having some real labor uh, issues for the rest of the uh, for a long time this season. I don't know if it would have been the whole season, but it could have been a little while. But uh, yeah, just glad it kind of worked out in the end. And like Mike said, I hope it's a real partnership between the two versus a, uh, okay, well, we're, we're still in the same league. We're kind of together, but, you know, we still want more or something like that. So overall, I'm quite happy that there's going to be some stability here for the CFL for, for the long term. Yeah. Uh, now, Trey, you, you throughout the process, you were the one who I think was the most skeptical of us that this would get done on time. I believe you set the over under one and a half uh, games missed of the CFL regular season. They get the deal done really at the last minute. The CFL sets a deadline of Thursday night to get it done. The players quickly go back and forth. You have the bit about the PA not even wanting to present the latest offer to the the players, then all of a sudden they get it done at the last minute and they still get the game off on time. Are you surprised how quickly things moved along uh, in that those final couple days? Yeah, it looked like it was going nowhere fast. And yeah, I'm, I'm a very skeptical guy. And I just wasn't actually, I even thought one and a half was maybe low. That was me bumping it down to not seem such like a, such like that guy. But honestly, yeah, surprised, happy it got done, and my favorite Belichick quote on to Cleveland, right? That's all we can do now, and we'll go to week one. And uh, we're marching very quickly towards week one here. Uh, I'm so excited to have the CBA done uh, for, for real this time. Uh, I, I think it's a good deal. I think there's some creative things there in the deal. The players got, you know, a lot of the things they wanted. They got that ratification bonus. They got the... Uh, you know, they got some revenue sharing there. The ratio that was a big point of interest for the league itself. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I think they have a decent plan in place where, you know, it's pretty much sticking, I think the same ratio this year, then they're addressing it next year, then 2024, the league has an option there. Like, I like that this is a long-term deal, but there are breaking off points where if things change, because seven years is a long time for a single deal, right? So when things change, you can adjust as you go along there. So I think we're all very excited to have football back. And we got a bit of a taste of football here uh, with the kickoff of the preseason uh, between, uh, well, first, uh, you know, pretty much I think every team has played one game. The Bombers have played both of theirs already. We've got four more games Friday night. Uh, quick thoughts from everybody on what, uh, you know, one quick thought on what stood out to you the most in the preseason so far. Uh, Trey, let's go back to you first on this one. Well, I think you guys all saw our, our private group chat when we were sitting there watching the Elks and Bombers. Trey Ford, his arm needs to get a little bit better, but I I like that guy. I Every time I turn my head thinking it's second and long, no, somehow he's picking up a first down with his legs and during a whole 18-game season, even if he doesn't have the greatest arm, that's going to help out a lot. So I'm really impressed with that. And I think that made the whole quarterback thing in Edmonton maybe a little bit even harder to pick because we saw Nick Arbuckle and uh, Taylor Cornelius. They all they all played pretty well. Um, you know, Edmonton really impressed me that game. So uh, I, I really I like what I see out of Edmonton. 
Yeah, and you know, uh, both Trey and I were at that game. We waved at each other from afar. I, I thought about coming to meet you in person, but uh, I didn't want to walk up all those flights of stairs to. Uh, 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 Trey likes the bird's eye view. He got the uh, the best view in the house of what was uh, what was going on there in that game. And it was fun to see Trey Ford play. Uh, I agree very much. A guy who needs to. Uh, who has great running ability and uh, maybe needs to work on the passing game. I think we could say that about a couple other quarterbacks in the CFL as well. Uh, it's a good problem to have here at Edmonton, says uh, Chris Edgar on Facebook. I would agree. Uh, Mike, what stood out to you so far from what you've seen in the preseason? For me Dyes, I wasn't able to see much of the preseason, but I did see uh, the Ardles and Ottawa, and I did watch the game last night. Um, I, I know that we kind of reiterated this on the, on the group chat, I think a little bit, um, but the hash marks to me, that's going to be, uh, something else because people, people would suggest that, you know, that's going to benefit the receivers. Um, the way I see that kind of, uh, benefiting is the quarterbacks are going to have to change their angle. Uh, of their launch point to get the ball to that side of the field. But, hey, as we saw last night, you know, those DBs, if once they get that timing down, everybody said, oh, that's going to benefit the receivers. We're going to see a lot of DBs, I think, jump on those types of routes and have an opportunity to knock down passes. Uh, there was one throw... Uh, to that side of the hash mark yesterday, and the bomber DB just about intercepted it, but made a heck of a job getting there. You know, to me, the hash mark doesn't seem that big of a, a thing so far, but it's one of those trends that we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, I can't make a proclamation off of watching two preseason games what benefit those hash marks are going to have in tight um because from what i've seen to me i think it's gonna benefit both and i equate it to be entirely honest like the three on three overtime you couldn't get a three on three overtime it all landed in a minute and a half when it was first uh when it was first uh instituted the and now teams have figured out how to play the three on three overtime i think the defensive coordinators are going to be smart enough Eventually, I don't know if it's going to be early on in the season, but they're going to find a way to create a problem by defending that, I guess, pass option now. And it's going to be a who can outsmart who and who can make those defensive adjustments. And it might be a big advantage offense. Who knows? It's, it's, it adds a dimension to the game. But I know I'm excited to see, and I want to see who can recover for lots of better term and find a plan around what I think isn't going to be that big of a advantage once the defensive coordinator did a handle on how to defend that, much like the three-on-three three overtime. I'm glad you mentioned those uh, those rule changes, or specifically the hash marks, but that was kind of my thing that stood out from the preseason as well. I really didn't notice the rule changes like much at all in the few games I, I got to see. I, I don't know about if if anything stood out to the rest of you, but 
uh, to me, it was no, not really at all. And that's kind of nice to see that, you know, there's subtle changes that are going to make a difference in the play of the game, but they're not overwhelming that you immediately notice them. The only thing that stuck out to me was the bomber still can't make a field goal with narrower hash marks, right? Like, or an extra <laughs> play, right? That's the only thing I saw. Everything else, you didn't really. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I felt like in the first preseason game, Edmonton was getting a lot of times their quarterbacks were rolling out. So I don't know, does that, does that a thing where the more field to play with where a quarterback like speed, like a guy like Trey Ford, he's got all that open room now. I don't know. Like, I don't know how those little things work. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Uh, you saw that a lot. I think the the Riders-Bombers game, you saw a lot of that last night as well. That could just be that there's more mobile quarterbacks uh, right now in the CFL than there, there typically is. You have a lot of them there, but uh, good observations. Adam, what stood out to you from uh, preseason action thus far? You know, I'm going to talk all about the quarterbacks, actually. Uh, three things have really stood out to me for so far. First of all, Chad Kelly, a heck of a good quarterback coming out of uh, Toronto. Really liked the looks of him and made Antonio Pipkin expendable, who got cut this week from the Toronto Argonauts and is off to the BC Lions after their backup quarterback, Thompson, who the BC Lions were very high on, uh, ends up getting hurt after kind of a late hit, if you want to call it. From uh, the, during the Calgary Stampede BC Lions game, uh, which was very interesting as well. Uh, but, you know, I was watching the quarterbacks, and another thing that really stood out to me this year is that there are no starting quarterbacks really starting in any preseason game so far. Uh, if you look at Zach Kalaros, did not start in either of the two uh, Bomber preseason game. Uh, uh what do you call Cody Fajardo? Same thing for Saskatchewan. I don't expect him to start here on Friday night against the BC Lions. Uh, possibly could, I suppose, but uh, I would probably think that Jake Dolagala and uh, Mason Fine will be the two starters because Saskatchewan's got to figure out something on that, which we'll get to later on. Uh, but yeah, no, not very much really for starting quarterbacks uh, this season so far in the preseason, which again, most times you always used to see the quarterback come out for a half. Uh, you used to see some of the starters play a quarter just to kind of get some rust off. So very interesting from lots of teams now that they're playing their uh, their starters and especially their quarterback. Yeah, what do we think about that uh, as a whole here, the, uh, the starters not, not starting, so to say? I personally don't have a huge problem with it. We didn't see a preseason last year. These None of these guys played preseason games. Yeah, talent was maybe down, then play was maybe down the first couple of weeks. But I see much the same there again. Uh, Mike, what do you think on not seeing starters in the preseason games? It's interesting in general, and I'm just going to take this down a bit of a different road for just a minute, if that's okay. Um, it's interesting how the valuation, I guess, of veterans in preseason games has changed over the years. I can remember as recently as five or six years ago, first-string quarterbacks playing into the third quarter of the home games. Now, you know, teams starting to take the less-is-more approach with their veteran players. Um, you know, the CFL is a very interesting um animal when it comes to and sports in general actually when it comes to the bumps and grinds of a season um 
why put unnecessary bumps uh, on your players if you know they're going to make the team? Why take your chances of, you know, getting a quarterback hurt or an offensive lineman, you know, getting twisted up, you know, in, in a sequence in play or a receiver jamming something, going down to the ground, uh, which, which, you know, would put your season not in jeopardy, but, you know, an unnecessary injury out of the gate. Um, there, as, a, as it relates to the Bombers in particular, they're a very veteran team. Uh, and I'm only using Winnipeg as an example because those are that's the two preseason teams that I'm most familiar with for obvious reasons. Is there really a need to have Zach Kalaros take a snap to be honest, what 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 does he have to prove? There was no preseason last year, and he was the best quarterback in the CFL. He's the best player in the CFL. Do we really need to see that stalwart offensive line that we've seen for two years? They're practicing just as much as they're playing. That when you are a veteran team in particular, and maybe a younger team too. Um, to, to me, I was really surprised the Riders didn't play more vets considering they had, you know, more practice time uh, than Winnipeg because they had the extra week um, on the other side of the, on the other side of the game there. But, you know, when you have guys and you know what they're capable of doing and you trust that they're going to get ready for the season, there's no need to overextend these guys in preseason games as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, it is about seeing the rookies. I mean, the longer the veterans play, the less of a chance for the guys to show what they can do. And to be honest with you, there were some guys in Winnipeg, particularly at wide receiver, that if veterans would have played, wouldn't have had a chance to catch some touchdowns. We wouldn't have seen probably Dakota Prokop being able to rebound like that. We wouldn't have seen a much more comfortable Drew Brown in the first part of the part of the football game. So, Guys that would get an opportunity to make that one big play, get a bigger sample size to make that big play, and you keep your veterans and you know what you're going to get from them, no need to put them in any line of danger in the preseason. Yeah, the only way I'll – like, I agree with all that. The only thing that would make me disagree is if week one we see Fajardo and Caleros combined for, like, seven interceptions and two fumbles. Then I'm going to be like, next year, okay, those guys should get their asses in the game, right? That and then it's up to a lesser extent um, CFL because the teams come around so much. The only argument I would also make is if a team only came to Winnipeg or whatever your stadium once, you maybe want to see those starters because that draws a bigger crowd. And I know preseason isn't the big thing, but it's still money coming in. Now, in the CFL, where on a normal year you see the East teams at least once usually, it's not as a big of a deal. But if the one time the team comes in is the preseason, and you know, you know we see that in the NFL – you know, everyone was mad when um, Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing in that exhibition game in Winnipeg, right? So that's the only two reasons I'd have to start the guys. I was actually really surprised they didn't start Caleros, um their week one preseason because I said it's a home game. All the crowd's going to want to see Caleros and they're going to see what they're doing. But I do agree with uh, Mike's point about injuries. Because, again, if he tore something and his season's done, then everyone's going to be yelling at O'Shea, why did you have him in there, right? So it's a no, it's a lose-lose situation. Well, and the big thing is, like, if you're going to, say, bring a guy like Zach Caleros to Regina for this preseason game, 
They said on the broadcast last night, you got to bring his whole offensive line. You're not bringing those rookie backups uh, to protect your, your, your star franchise quarterback. No way. Uh, let's dive in. Let's start diving into the pre or to the West division season preview here. Last week when we talked the East division, we went uh, top down in terms of uh, 2021 standings this time around. We're going to go bottom up. Uh, we'll save save the Riders and the Bombers, uh, our respective uh, favorite teams, uh, for the end here. Uh, so let's start off with the team that finished last in the West last year, the Edmonton Elks. A rough season. I believe it was a 3-11 and season for them. Pretty much everything went wrong on the field and off the field for them last season, but it's been a remarkable off-field turnaround the offseason thus far. Uh, we talk about Victor Cooey all the time on this podcast, the amazing job he's done. In fact, I had a great tweet about uh, him this week. Uh, he was in the stands at the, the Elks Bombers preseason game in Winnipeg. Uh, most popular tweet our podcast account has ever put out, uh, by the way. It just shows how much the folks love Victor Cooey. Uh, let's go over to, uh, Trey first, I guess, on this one, uh, Edmonton Elks, what's your take on them coming into the 2022 season? How do you see them, them this year? I, well, I'm going to start at the end here. I see them finishing third in the West. I think they're going to have a big improvement. I didn't, maybe I heard this last week and it just uh, lost my mind out of my memory. They didn't win a game at home last year. When in football do you not win, like, home, that's your park. Like, no one comes and takes your bike in your park. But Edmonton got their bike stolen a lot in their park last year. And I, I the, with how everything's going, and it seems ticket sales are up, it's going to be a place to play. You know, it's gonna they're going to have the home field advantage. They clearly got some quarterback talent, it looks like. I think they're going to be a way better team. I have one question for you guys you could touch on. I have no idea who's the third quarterback going to be because we were all kind of thinking our buckle might be gone, right? You know, Chris Jones brought in a lot of guys, but he showed that he can he, he can play, and but so did Cornelius, and Ford had his ups too. So that's my one uh, question mark on Edmonton is who's actually going to be under center? I think that there's two things that I'd look at when you got the uh, quarterback situation in Edmonton. And yeah, that's what I'm looking at too. I think you got Nick Arbuckle, who's probably going to end up starting the season. He's got the most experience. He looked okay against the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, in that preseason game. And uh, I think Taylor Cornelius will back him up with Trey Ford probably in there as well in the mix and getting a little bit of an education into the CFL system. Uh, the question I've really got about the Edmonton Elks is who's going to protect these guys? Uh, Matt O'Donnell gone this year. Their offensive line is not what it used to be. I really have some questions about that, uh, probably more than anything. I think their defense is probably good enough to, uh, and let's face it, you've also got a defensive guru as a head coach in Chris Jones. Uh, they've probably got a good enough defense to do some damage in the uh, CFL West, but when you've got some real bruising uh, uh, defensive linemen in uh, the West, like uh, Willie Jefferson and uh, in Saskatchewan with what they've got, that's my question really is the big thing is the offensive line. What do you guys think? I, I don't have a problem with it, actually. I think it's a position they did a good job of addressing this offseason. They brought Mark Corte in, I believe, local kid, if I'm correct. Uh, made him the highest paid offensive lineman in the CFL 
bringing him over from Ottawa there. They also brought back Tony Washington, who I, I believe is a, a former member of the Edmonton organization, solid offensive lineman there. I really don't have a problem with it. For me, the the defensive, you know, uh, looking at the depth chart, the defense is maybe a bit of a question mark for me. But like you said, the I expect the Chris Jones effect to make it a very, you know, potent defense there. The question mark for me might be just how they shape up at receiver because they brought so many in this year. Kenny Lawler was the big fish, but they brought in Manny Arsenault. They brought in Caleb Hawley. They brought in a Darius Bowman who's since retired. Jalen Marshall, I believe, is a new addition who looked good in the preseason. They had a handful of depth there last year. I, I want to see how that depth chart shapes out and how guys like Darrell Walker, whether they have a bounce, he has a bounce back here because he struggled last season. Seemed like some early chemistry between him and Nick Arbuckle but uh, in the preseason game, but uh, we'll see how that translates out there. Uh, don't, forget Deron, sorry, don't forget Deron Carter. Like he, they have him as a DB, but he can play <laughs> both ways, right? So, you know, you're going to get adds to that too. The other, the other thing to remember on Deron Carter, though, that he is injured right now and probably won't start week one here, final uh, looks of things. So be interesting, though, for a guy that's been gone for three years, what he looks like. Mike, what do you make of the uh, the Edmonton Elks this year? Yeah, I, I don't have, you know, I don't have uh, a, a bigger concern with what the Elks have done uh, on the field. Everybody speaks about Chris Jones. Um, Chris Jones is doing exactly what he did when he first came to Saskatchewan, as we remember, bringing in a lot of players where the broadcasters needed their own game program to make sure that they knew exactly who and what was where and made sure that they were on their toes, but a receiver wasn't lined up as a, as a DB or something or vice versa. Um, to me, if I did just touch on Trey, Trey Ford for a minute, um, I, I see him being more of a long-term solution. And by long-term, I mean a year or two. Um, because... I, I don't want to compare him to Lamar Jackson, but we've seen these quarterbacks that have this, he can run away from trouble, but it's trying to get that fine line of being a scrambling quarterback and getting that arm to work. Like Chris Strebler would have been an MOP if he could have put his legs and his arm together on a consistent basis. I think we can all agree. But mobile quarterbacks take a little bit longer to find that fine balance between running for your life and trying to have the game slow down to the point where you throw a 10 or 15-yard pass down the field. The only way that's going to happen is if Trey Ford gets into more games. But, you know, what's stopping Chris Jones from having a quarterback in that Arbuckle, who I believe wholeheartedly barring injury will be the week one starter uh, just based on track record who the starter is in week 14 anybody's guess I, I think at face value on the field the Elks are a better team than last year um, I would tend to agree with Trey on the placement in the division Um my only concern is everybody else up near the top, up ahead of them, 
seem to have gotten better along with upgrades. So who's going to slip down to allow Edmonton to move up? And is fifth place to third place a fairly reasonable, uh, attainable uh, progress for this year? Absolutely. Is it fifth place to second place? Fifth place to first place? I'm not so sure. Um, to me, this was an else team, but was broken. Uh, there was progress made fixing what needed to be fixed depth-wise. I'm curious just how far this team can go with a defensive guru like Chris Jones, who, yeah, I think that Edmonton didn't be a third-place team in the West, I think anything above that would be overachieving. But again, out West is so competitive. I say this every year on the podcast, Ryan, and, and you've heard me say this at nauseum. I think the whole um, the whole division is going to come down to one game from first to last or two games from first to last. And I just don't know if the outs have the experience to be at or near the top of that division. I think the middle of the division is very reasonable uh, for this football team, and then they have something to build off of. On the, on, in the bots office, absolutely business-wise, thriving. It sounds like there's going to be a big crowd on Friday night at that exhibition game. Get the fins right. Get the game experience right. So that when the team uh, meets with the... When the on-field product meets the off-field product, you're going to have a sustainable winner. Winners don't happen overnight. Very often we saw Ottawa draw the first to last uh, with a boatload of free agents. This might be a bit of a different story, but I'm excited for the long-term prospects of the Elks for sure. So you've both got the Elks finishing third place in the West this year. Adam, did we get your uh, your placement there already? Uh, I, I might have missed it if we did. Yeah, no, I never did say which way I think they're going to go. To me, I think that it's going to be very tough for the Elks to make ground in the West. I, You know what? I think that they're going to probably be a much better team this year, and you've got Chris Jones. I mean, the guy there, for some reason, can work magic with almost anything. And I mean literally anything. Uh, I think their defense is going to be better. Their offense is going to be better. They've got a quarterback, I think, in Nick Arbuckle for this year. Uh, I think they'll be better than BC Lions, but I don't know if they could pass Calgary Stampeders and full Levi Mitchell if it's good bow. Uh, so in that case, I think they got to go fourth right now on the uh, Edmonton Elks just because I don't see Winnipeg or Saskatchewan really being the team to be knocking or that Edmonton's going to knock off. Well, looking at the Elks' schedule, they've got the Week 21 bye this season, final week of the regular season. And I'm here telling y'all, uh, I don't think it, I, I don't think that bye week's going to matter because I have the Elks finishing last place in the West Division, same as last year. I think maybe they get a couple more wins. I think the defense is a little more competitive with Chris Jones at the helm. But by and large, I don't th know if they've improved a whole ton roster-wise over where they were at last season. And maybe it's the culture change for the team is a big thing that propels them. But to me, yeah, I like what they've done with the offensive line. You know, they brought in Kenny Lawler as the big fish at wide receiver. 
He's had one, two good seasons. I think he can have another, but is it that much better than what Greg Ellingson had in an Elks uniform? The quarterback situation is a question mark as well. I think they'll get better, but I think the other teams around them will uh, still be just as good. So uh, a bit closer to the middle of the pack, but I have the Elks finishing fifth in the West this year. Let's move on to the BC Lions, uh, who did finish fourth place last season, a 5-9 and nine record uh, for them last year. Biggest storyline, I think, for BC is the retirement of one Michael Riley and the emergence of of the uh, the Canadian kids starting at quarterback, Nathan Rourke. Uh, Trey, let's start with you here on the Lions. Uh, what's your take on them coming into this year? You know, this, this is the team that I think is going to struggle, and I want the Canadian quarterbacks to succeed. I just don't believe in it, not, not this year. Um, I think that they didn't do as much. Um, I don't think they've improved much. So I think I have them sitting in fifth, and – I just don't believe in the old line. And I just, like I said, they got two young Canadians back there and I think it's going to be a long season. Now maybe Pipkin comes in and does something who knows, but I don't know if he has the team around him. And I I think what's their receiving core look like. Um, Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got got Brian Burnham, lucky whitehead. Those are the big two. Dominic Ryan's back. Javon Katoy. Pretty much the same crew as last season. Yeah, I I just don't have much faith in them, so I don't I don't know about you guys. Adam, what do you think on BC? I'm almost with you, Trey. In a way, I don't think it's going to be Nathan Rourke. Is not going to be the issue. The Canadian looks looked promising whenever he went in last year, including in Game One against the Riders. Uh, but you know what? I just think that that offensive line needs a year or two to develop. They've got some young pieces in there like Noah Zur, and I'm thinking he's probably going to end up starting this year, unfortunately. Uh, you know what? They're a young team. They're going to get better, but the I just don't think the, uh, the BC Lions are going to be quite the team that uh, can take down a uh, Edmonton or a Calgary out of, out of a playoff spot. And, uh, you know, their secondary has improved as well. Picking up Lucia's Purifoy was a big piece for them because their secondary was not the greatest last year. Uh, but with that being said, there's a lot of moving pieces on that team, and I just don't see the BC Lions probably doing much more than, I don't know, maybe six wins I'll give them. But I, I still say a last place for the uh, for the BC Lions. Mike, how about you? Yeah, I hate to repeat, but I, I think this is going to be a team that's going to be uh, in last place or or, or fourth place uh, in a while. You know, I love the field red story of the Canadian quarterback. Like that, to me, is just, it warms the heart of the Canadian football league. Uh, something that we wanted to see. That's why, Trey, I, I just, I don't believe that. Now, granted, Nathan Ward came from Ohio University, had a pretty good career, and had a pretty good showing when he did um you know play last year but to me he spent a lot of last year behind uh Michael Riley who spent a lot of time running for his life um i think this offensive line depth is going to really hurt bc um you know i and to be honest i'm not entirely sure that 
Warty didn't be able to stay healthy. It's it's one thing, you know, every team it's kind of been proven over the last number of years, unless you're a select team. The CFL more so has become a two team, a two quarterback lead over the course of eighteen games. Now, Nathan Wark to Michael O'Connor to Antonio Pipkin. Yeah, but again, maybe the the part of the fact that it's just scaring me here if I'm BC is the fact that they've gone with relatively unproven quarterbacks and unproven quarterbacks when given the spotlight haven't exactly lit it up with the odd exception of a few individuals over the course of time. So maybe, but this is a scenario to me where a lot has to go right for BC to have a good year. And granted, the quarterback scenario could be said about, you know, just about anybody. But to me, I, I just see this BC team being held, being held back by a lot of the same problems that they've had in the past. I, I'm going to I'm gonna be the devil's advocate here, and I'm going to bring the hot takes here uh, again. And uh, first of all, I have BC finishing fourth, which is not which is not a hot take. I think that's a very reasonable one, having them finish fourth in the West Division again. But it's not for lack of being high on what this team's done. I, I love, for the most part, what they've done this offseason. I really wish they would have upgraded the offensive line a little more. As uh, you know, you've all said, that's the, that's the biggest goal to me. But I think they did tremendous things with the defense. They overhauled the whole defensive line. Woody Barron brought in. Steven Richardson brought in. I know he's injured right now. Uh, Matthew Betts, David Menard. Uh, fantastic defensive lineman there, Luchas Purifoy, Delvin Bro. My 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 one of my first hot takes of the preseason here. I think it's not out of the realm of the possibility we see we talk about the BC Lions at season's end as the top defense in the CFL in 2022. I think they have the potential to have one of the top defenses. The problem and why I don't have them higher than fourth is because I look at their offense last year, I look at their offense this year. It's much the same. It's the same at running back. It's the same at wide receiver. Offensive line took a little bit of a step back. They lost a couple guys there. And then you go from Michael Riley to Nathan Rourke. And I think Nathan Rourke has a potential to be a real good quarterback. But at this point in his career, I don't know if he's playing well enough to do better than Michael Riley did to the extent that makes up for the you know step back of the offensive line. So strong defense. Bit of a struggle on offense this year. I have the Lions in at fourth. I don't know. Is that a, is that a hot take on the defense? A little bit because I just don't see the uh, the BC Lions are going to that defense is going to tire out quick. It's a very veteran defensive line now uh, with a uh, secondary that again has quite a few veterans on it. It should be a very very good defense. Don't get me wrong. But if they're on the field the whole time, they're going to tire out quickly. And with how that offensive line, and let's face it, we haven't even talked about the running big game over in BC. I think that could be a little bit of an issue for blocking and for other things. I don't know if the BC Lions are quite going to be able to keep that defense going, namely just because they're so called darn tired. Yeah, I'm going to say fourth place is a hot take only because I think BC is going to get the first round pick next year, right? So anything more than the ninth out of nine is 
I think is a hot take for BC. Yeah, you bring up a good point there, Adam, on the run game, I, I think, as well. Uh, you know, there's some question marks there. James Butler seemed like he was uh, a strong candidate to be a, a solid rusher uh, down the stretch once they started using him more. That's the biggest question mark, too, is what kind of game plan do we see from this offense? You've got head coach Rick Campbell, historically more of a defensive guy, I think. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, an offense that really didn't use the run game a whole ton for chunks of the season last year. And uh, they could get tired quickly as the the defense could get tired quickly, as you mentioned there. Um, One of the most exciting things I think to see this year is is, uh, the development of Lucky Whitehead because he had such a breakout season last year. I don't know. Uh, Mike, what do you think on uh, what we see from uh, from Whitehead this year? Do you think we can see him elevated even more from what we did last season? It's one thing to step into a number one role immediately and make a big, big impact. It's another one there is um, tape on you as a number one guy. Um, people are going to be keying on Lottie Whitehead. Uh, for sure this year. He is the one guy that I think could benefit from the Hashmark situation. Because I think you can put him on the field pretty much anywhere. Inside, I know that my memory serves, the Bombers put him on the inside, mostly because there was a lot of... uh, Depth on the outside. BC puts them on the outside. So here's kind of my line of thinking uh, with that. And that is no matter where you put Lucky Whitehead on the field, you could use that to your advantage. And I, I will come out and say that I believe Lucky Whitehead will be the BC Lions nominee for MOP this year. Um, it's really too bad that he had that hand injury at the end of last year because, I, as I recall, he was putting up numbers at the time of his injury and the offense really dropped off after that. Um, so, to me, Lucky Whitehead might be the best player that the BC Lions have. And, oh, yeah, we have gone this whole time mentioning Lucky Whitehead and we haven't mentioned Brian Burnham. Like, to me, that's a pretty darn good one-two punch. And forget everything I just said about the quarterback being good. To me, this has the likings of if the defense can hold them in a lot of games and the offense can get two to let's say two touchdowns and a field goal, three touchdowns and a field goal in a lot of games and win a lot of close games, they have a chance to win a lot of close games. And it reminds me of the, ironically enough, Chris Jones, Saskatchewan Rough Rider teams, who couldn't muster enough offense, but their defense was able to keep them above water. So it's going to be interesting to me and that's why I think toward the end of the year, BC's going to fade. And that's where I think I have them at the bottom of the West Division is no offense is only sustainable for so long. 
defenses can only hold you in games for so long. And they've got a, they've got a tougher schedule down the stretch too. Like to start the season, three of their fir- or four of their first five games are at home with a bye with two bye weeks there in the middle, and they've got more road games down the stretch. So I think that's an excellent point there on the Lions. Uh, let's move on. Uh, unless anybody's got any other takes on BC, let's move on to the team that finished third place last season, the Calgary Stampeders, an eight and six record for them. They go out in round one of the playoffs in a wild game to the Riders. Uh, Adam, let's start with you. Uh, what do you think on, on Calgary here coming into this season? I think it's all about Bo Levi Mitchell and which Bo Levi Mitchell is going to be coming out. He took a step back last year in the first half of the season. I mean, it was a short season, obviously, but uh, he didn't look like the Bo Levi Mitchell of old that you would be terrified to see uh, until he played Saskatchewan three times. And, you know, that uh, we won't talk about here. Anyways, uh, you know, it's going to be all about him this year, I think. And if he can get the football out to his receivers, he still has a... Uh, complement of great receiving core in Calgary. Uh, their defense is still a pretty good defense. I think that this is going to be one of those years, though, that Calgary could either be a really good team or a very, very bad team, depending on the quarterback. I hate to say it sounding all the time about the quarterback, but unfortunately, I think that Bo Levi Mitchell is going to have a pretty good season this year, and I've got a real hot take coming up. I don't know which way to mention it. I think the Calgary Stampeders will be hosting the West semifinal this year. All right. So that would put Calgary in second in the West division in your predictions there. Uh, Mike, let's go back to you on the next one as the next one here. Uh, what do you think on Calgary? Uh, is Adam right here? It's all, all fingers point to the play of Bo Levi Mitchell. Well, I'll tell you something. It didn't come down to Bo Levi Mitchell. But my tape machine gets hotter. Because I'm going to say the West runs through Calgary. Because I think Bowley by Mitchell. Okay, we saw Bowley by Mitchell that was not very good. I I think we can all agree here that last year was a... I, I hesitate to say regression year for Bow because, well, he wasn't very good. But... I will quantify that by saying, do you remember the shortened season? Uh, not the shortened season, the one before. He had a shoulder injury that kept him out of some games the year before the pandemic. Now, I, I understand that, you know, a, a year has gone by. But I do not believe that Bo was healthy for a lot of last season and 100% shoulder strength. I'm curious to see what he comes back with this year. Guys, I'm hard-pressed to suggest that Bo is going to have two down years in a row. He's got his favorite target back, who literally only played, I think, with the West semifinal last year and one game before that in... uh, Name escapes me. I mean, it was Kamar Jordan. Um, but guys, they find a way to get these Canadian receivers who nobody thinks of. Huffnado has the right idea to know when to let a die go 
uh, and move on and always seems to have his last step up. The bottom line, guys, I don't think Bully by Mitchell is going to have a down year. If he does and it's a short leash, well, they have a pretty darn good backup. I think that Jade Mayer, who's proven himself to be probably Bully by Mitchell's successor in Calgary one way or another. So this goes one of two ways this year. I 100% agree with Adam. This is a down year for Calgary. You have a reason to move on from Bowley by Metro after the season. You have a great year. You incentivize Bo to have another great contract. I think we're going to get the latter. I think it's going to be a good year in Calgary. I think they're going to run, the West is going to run through Calgary. But there's a lot of buts, and it's on a quarterback just like everybody else. I have some questions on the defense, but... Again, you know, you have an offense that likes to control the ball. You have running bats, uh, seemingly a dime a dozen over there. It doesn't seem to matter who the running bat is. Um, and who's going to be that star player that John Hoffnado finds? But everybody's going to be like, oh, you know, he's taken last in a lot of fantasy drafts. And the next thing you know, he's the second leading receiver in Calgary at the end of the season. You're like, where did that guy come from? Yeah, I'm pumping up the Calgary Stampeders because I think the West is going to run through Calgary. And uh, both going to be back. And they get back to winning ways in Calgary. Well, a lot of love for the Stampeders so far. Uh, Trey, are you in agreement or are you going the other direction here? I agree that it's all going to be on Bo Levi Mitchell. I disagree because I think they're going to finish fourth this year because Bo Levi is going to be crap because I don't think he's, I, I, I agree. There's some shoulder injury, but the way he was throwing, it doesn't always look like it's one of those ones. I think it's going to be more than just a year or two rehab. It might be one of those ones. He might be done after this year. And I just don't, I don't have a high faith in him doing a quick look at their defense. I'm kind of impressed with their defense. I, some names I really have always liked. It looked like I didn't, I missed that. When did they pick up Cameron Judge? I don't know where I was sleeping then. That's a big pickup there, and they got good uh, good cornerbacks. I like their D. I just not. I, I I just don't agree that Bo Levi has gotten anything left in the tank. And I, no, I, I, I'm going to take that back. I agree that he could. I see where you guys are coming from. Where he it's it's one way or the other. I'm just going to put my money on that he's going to have a bad year, uh, and it's going to be the first time maybe in our lifetimes that Calgary has two bad seasons in a row. Like, you know, I don't know if we can, if we have the stats on that, but I, just from memory, it doesn't seem like they ever have a bad year, let alone two bad years in a row, but it's going to have to come to an end eventually. I, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement that I'm not a hundred percent sold on what we see this year from Bowie by Mitchell, but uh, I'm going to agree with Adam and Mike that I have Calgary higher. I have them finishing second in the West and it's, not because of a good season potentially from Bowie by Mitchell necessarily. It's because of some of the talent around him. I think the days of this being a pass, I, I don't think this is a pass only team for, for Calgary. I think uh, Kadeem Carey is one of the top running backs in the CFL. He finished second in rushing last season. And I expect him to elevate his play even more this year and, and challenge for the rushing title in the league and I'm excited to see what he has there. I like the defense as well. Maybe a little bit of concern because they lost a lot of their starting offensive linemen, but I mean, they've still got some good names there on the O-line as well. Derek Dennis is back in a Calgary uniform, you know, Sean McEwen, Ryan Sevier, Zach Williams. These are all guys we've seen 
uh, on the offensive line uh, a little bit here and there for for Calgary before. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the talk uh, around Calgary every year is that they don't do much in free agency, but I think they have two of the biggest underrated free agent additions, and it's pieces they added with four or five games left in the season last year. And I'm talking Reggie Bagleton at wide receiver, who came in, instantly put up a 100-yard game. They got him at a real cheap contract uh, compared to the likes of Kenny Lawler going to Edmonton. And I'm talking Trey Roberson in the defensive backfield, who is a stellar player who went off to the NFL himself. Uh, so I'm high on what uh, I'm. I'm high on this Calgary roster. I think uh, you know at wide receiver, like I think Mike said, we'll see some some guy step up and, and be a big contributor that we don't necessarily expect to be. Uh, and that's likely you can kind of see that now already by the fact that they released Jordan Williams Lambert shortly after. Uh, you know, he just joined the team this year. Um, I like what I've seen from Calgary. I think uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, you know, contract last year of his contract here, he's gotten a lot of heat. He's got a lot of uh, adversity, so to say, to face here. I see a scenario where he steps up and has a great season. I also see a scenario where he struggles, much like he did in his first preseason action this weekend. And maybe that means we see Jake Mayer down the stretch, who I have a lot of hope for as well. So I think some solid, maybe not spectacular quarterback play this year, but the other pieces around them are also solid as well. So I have Calgary finishing second in the West. Uh, anybody have any more takes on uh, what's been discussed here around the Stampeders thus far? You know, I'm surprised that uh, that you're going to give the uh, Calgary Stampeders uh, probably a uh, real high grade on that receiving core. I mean, I, I'm I'm very surprised that they released Jordan Williams Lambert. I mean, he just came back from the NFL, uh, played with Saskatchewan, was one of their main guys, and couldn't make a couldn't make the thing for Calgary. But yet, I just don't see the depth as much as I used to be uh, in Calgary on the receiving core. I suppose. Uh, their defense is still going to be very strong. You're right. Robertson looks looks promising. Uh, Kadeem Carey in the running back game looks very good. But I still think it all comes down. I don't know if Jake Meher is going to be the guy that's going to take uh, Calgary really to the promised land. I still have a funny feeling. It's got to be Bo or it'll be no. Got to be Bo or got to be no. Uh, yeah, I like that. Nice. Nice little rhyme there. Uh, looking at Calgary's schedule, they uh, kind of start the year back and forth uh, at home uh, to the Montreal Alouettes in week one. Uh, will we get to see the Philpot twins uh, go head-to-head -head in that game? That's a big addition potentially for Calgary as well when we talk about you know receiver depth. They've got a lot of guys that are kind of surface bubble guys, I think. Uh, that they're waiting for somebody to take the reins, and maybe that's an opportunity for a guy like him. Uh, then they go to Hamilton at home against Edmonton. They've got a couple bye weeks early in the season, one later in the year. Pretty much an average schedule here from Calgary. Uh, let's go to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders next. Uh, they finished nine and five in 2021, uh, second in the West Division, won a wild OT playoff game with the Stampeders and lost a wild game to the Bombers in the West Final. Uh, let's go to our uh, resident uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders expert here, Adam. What are we looking at for Saskatchewan coming into this year? 
Well, the Rough Riders are got all the pressure on them, of course, this year because they're hosting the Grey Cup uh, in Saskatchewan. If you're in the Grey Cup or hosting the Grey Cup, you're expected to be in the Grey Cup and you're expected to win the Grey Cup. It's just the way it is. It's always that way in Saskatchewan in those years. And I think that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, provided that they can get uh, their offense going here a little bit, uh, and mainly their offensive line, which I'm really scared about so far this season, with Nate Rogers and with Jamal Campbell, how they played against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on preseason. I'm very nervous about that offensive line. However, I think that they will be okay. Uh, their defense still looks pretty promising. Uh, the additions I've uh, added there. I mean, you have Charleston Hughes, you've got Darnell Sankey, who's definitely going to be a big piece in the Saskatchewan uh, Rough Riders linebacking core. They did lose Micah Tyke, so to injuries for six games, which is a big piece for them. And that's a big piece uh, for Canadian uh, uh, ratio, uh, just because they don't have that right now. However, this all being said, it's going to come down to a little bit of uh, two things. One, uh, the running back game in Saskatchewan will be very interesting. Uh, Jamal Morrow uh, had an okay outing, I guess, last night. But uh, one guy that I've been hearing a lot about is Frankie Hickson. Uh, had a pretty good game the other uh, last game here against Winnipeg. He may push and might even get a chance to be uh, featured back in Saskatchewan, which would be very interesting seeing as Jamal Morrow is the incumbent and who is expected to take that spot. Shaq Cooper is also there. I don't know much on him if he's going to make this team or not, even if he is a veteran. Uh, that being said, I'm looking at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. If they can get their offensive line figured out and they can have a pretty good run at it, I think this team could possibly even contend for first this year. However, that offensive line is still scaring me a lot. That being said, I'm going to have to put the Rough Riders in third right now. Um, it would be my prediction. I And I hate doing it right now because, I mean, that's my team. I, I'd love to say that they're going to be first. But that being said, just with that offensive line the way it is, uh, still a little bit of question uh, in the running game. I think the receiving core is probably tops in the league right now. Uh, their Canadian receivers are looking solid. I just do not see, though, that offensive line helping Cody Fajardo much out at the beginning of the year. If they can get it going, though, and that offensive line clicks right off the bat and the Riders can get started, this team has potential of hitting first and possibly going letting the West go through it. That being said, though, right now, I'm going to go with third. Trey, what do you think? I really like Saskatchewan this year. Um, uh, Adam touched lightly on their receiving core. I love their receiving core, uh, right? The old line needs a little bit of help, but I, I'm a big fan of Cody Fajardo. I think he he's one of those guys. He's just one year away, and I think I, I, this could be the year. I agree the The West is going to go through Regina at some point. It's, it depends on where on the number one highway it's going to go through first, if they're going to stop in Winnipeg and then go to Regina and stay there for like, I, I think, I think the season, the Saskatchewan season comes down to the Bombers Rough Rider series. Whoever wins that series might have first place wrapped up. I think that those two teams could be that close going down the stretch. And the fact that they have a late game, right, again, yes, in week 17 uh, in Winnipeg. So it's nice to see them play late in the year. I think it's going to be, it's going to come down to Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. I, I don't see it any other way. What about you, Mike? 
Yeah, I see it much the same way. Um, my only, my only concern with the writers, and I hate, I hate to say this because he's so well liked, is Cody Fajardo. Um, to me, he started so well last year, and looked like he was gonna win MOP, and the writers were gonna run away with things. And then about the midway point of the season, it seemed like he hit a wall. He couldn't make the throws. He granted some of that was defensive injuries. And I'm looking at that defense too. Uh, you know, Larry Dean, now granted he's coming off an Achilles injury. But you can't tell me that an 85% Larry Dean isn't better than a lot of rookies because I think Larry Dean is going to find a way to be a big impact. I like Santi, who they got from Calgary. Um, I think their Canadian receiving depth might be the best in the CFL, and I yes, I say that over Winnipeg uh, because of you know yeah they lost Lenius, but you know they're they're going to have a big year. Um, there's a couple of other guys, uh, in there. My drawback from taking the riders to go through the West is twofold. One that I've already said, Cody Fajardo, that often seems to always, uh, fizz out a little bit later in the season and the running back. Um, I'm not. As much of a good story as their night last night was, and Jamal Morrow has been knocking on the door for an opportunity, ready to be number one, I'm not sure. When the weather gets colder and it's a little bit more difficult to throw the ball, can that offensive line open up the holes for those running backs? However, I'm going to come out and make this proclamation. If the running backs don't do what they're supposed to do or live up to the billing, I really think that this is the year that Jeremy O'Day, much like 2013, I want to say, the last time there was a great cup in Regina and they won it, is going to draw out at the trade deadline. And he's going to go get that running back. And he's going to plug him in. And the Western semifinal goes through Regina. Because this is the year. We've been talking about Cody Fajardo. Banging on the door. Two West final. The West semifinal lost to Winnipeg. Who's won the Great Cup the last two seasons. At some point. That door has to be tipped open. We'll see if it's this year. The West semifinal goes through Regina. See, I'm a little bit like, I agree there's some question marks at running back, uh, you know, uh, based on Morrow doesn't really, you know, have time starting at that position in the CFL. But the question marks at running back aren't a concern to me at all because the riders like Jason Moss doesn't use his running backs the way you're supposed to anyways, right? Like William Powell, great running back. Was he used effectively? Maybe a handful of games last season. So I don't think that's a big concern there to me. 
I agree with a lot of what's been said, you know, offensive line is a concern, but then part of me is also thinking we thought that was a major issue coming into last season as well. And at times the offensive line, you know, stepped up a lot better than we thought they would. I agree with what's been said. I love the Canadian content at receiver. I think Duke Williams, much like Reggie Bagleton, huge late season addition, especially rejuvenated Fajardo's deep ball ability. Uh, having a healthy Shaq Evans, healthy Kyron Moore, who both missed time last season is good. Um, defensive backfield, maybe a few concerns there for me. I know they lost Jonathan Woodard on the defensive line as well, but the linebacker court tops in the CFL, I think, if you look at it. I have the Riders finishing third place in the e- the West Division, uh, maybe tied, maybe one game back of Calgary. I think it's going to be a tight race. But I expect the Riders to, you know, have themselves have themselves a solid season here. It's just such a tight division that uh, I don't have them quite jumping up to first or second. Um, I don't know, Adam. What do you? I'll give you the final thought on the Riders here. What do you think of uh, what's been discussed? I think you guys are pretty close to nailing it right on the head. Uh, it's going to come down to Cody Fajardo if he makes a bounce back season. Last year was not the best. I mean, let's face it. Uh, he still learned how to hit the upright when it mattered the most. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a pig pants. Anyways. Anyways, well, hey, you got to bring up your problems before you can fix them. Uh, so uh, that being said, uh, sounds like Jonathan Woodard might be coming back pretty soon to Saskatchewan, which would be a huge pickup for the Rough Riders. Jeremy O'Day uh, kind of alluded to it during the green and white game here. Uh, last week so if he's back uh, that defensive line is going to be scary again Uh, the uh, linebacking core I don't think there's anybody better in the league than that combination of having Sankey in there having uh, Larry Dean and having uh, having also a uh, Micah Tights coming in throughout the season the receiving core I still think is one of the best in the CFL it's just a matter of if the offensive line can give Cody enough time get that throw off uh if he can this team is a first place team if he can't you're right he could very well end up in third place and uh hey the riders have done it before going through calgary going through uh other places to get to the great cup it very well could be the same situation again well said let's move on to our final team here the uh the great cup champs winnipeg blue bombers in 11 and 3 season Pretty much went about as good as you could possibly imagine last year. Uh, nearly record-setting defensive pace. I mean, three losses, two of them were garbage time late in the season there. They go on to win back-to-back Grey Cups. Uh, stellar year for the Bombers. Now the question is, how do they follow these last two seasons up coming into this year? Uh, let's start with you, Trey. Uh, what do you think here for Winnipeg? Do you think there's the potential for the three-peat, or are we uh, are we looking at a step back for the Bombers? Um, you know, I wasn't super impressed with their offseason. Um, they, they, they filled the holes they needed to, but I don't really think they improved, and I see a lot of improvement from a, a couple other teams in the West and a lot of teams in the East, so I don't think it's going to be – you know, I don't think it's going to be easy peasy, but I think the chance is always there. Um, I think they still have enough to be first or second. I don't think they're going to be playing any road playoff games unless it's the West Finals in Saskatchewan. I think um, I think they're going to own IG Field. It's going to we know how loud it can get. I think they got a lot behind them there. I just 
you know, they lost a couple big names on, on both sides of the ball and they try their best to re, uh, replace them. And the kicking, like I couldn't believe it when they met the, the hash marks are pushed together. You shouldn't miss a kick. That's a straight kick, but somehow it goes off the uprights more than Cody Fajardo does. And it's just, I, I that's my only issue. Like we, I think we got too complacent here with, uh, Oh, why is his name just went out of my mind? We all know who I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> Justin Medlock, Sergio Castillo. Medlock, Medlock. Medlock and then Castillo near the end of the year. I don't know why that just left my mind. But, yeah, I think we got too complacent with that, with a guy who could, you know, kick it to the one-yard line on a punt and somehow make a 55-yarder in the win, you know, later in the game. And I think uh, that's going to be the big issue. And I don't know. I was, wasn't impressed with the two preseason games. I know it's preseason. Um, even their win in Saskatchewan, I think Saskatchewan was all over them at opportunities. And I think that come play, uh, come real season time and playoff time, Saskatchewan's going to be all over them again. And and same with Edmonton. So I, I think they'll still be first, maybe second. Like I said, it's going to come down to Bangible Labor Day. But uh, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, Dad, there's only one spot left on my major card. And that is going on the road for the West semifinal. I have a Storm of Regina for the West Semi uh, for two main reasons. I'm not sure what life after Andrew Harris looks like. Uh, based on previous track records, uh, it would estimate to be about a 500, a little bit better than that. Um, I, I have concerns long-term with Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of this uh, pitch and catch to the running back that seemed to always involve Andrew Harris. I want to see who that pass catcher is going to be in the backfield because I can't imagine uh, that changing around too much. Um, and I, and I, I actually believe, with all due respect to Brady Oliveira, I believe he's going to lose that number one job at some point to Johnny Augustine. Um, I love this guy in his draft year. I wanted the Bombers to get him. I was very happy he was released from a team that drafted him. I was very happy that the Bombers picked him up. Um, you know, he's got something like six yards to carry, seven yards to carry, career average. Uh, Brady Oliveira is a different type of running back. Um, life after Harris to me is difficult. Uh, for the Bombers to an extent, want to see who's going to grab the ball and run for first downs and run with that opportunity. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's an open audition based on what I've seen in these two preseason games. Uh, but number three guy should be Kyle Borsa. I love what I saw from him yesterday. Uh, to me, I think that's sewn up. Uh, Borsa also has the ability to be a pretty good kick returner. Uh, punt returner. He has some experience in that. The other reason I have the Bombers down third in the West is I have some questions about the back end of that defense. Uh, no Mercy Maston for a while. Uh, there was another guy that they've lost. Uh, sorry, Brandon Alexander. Uh, he's going to miss uh, the start of the season. Don't underestimate uh, the value of Brandon Alexander, I think the whole thing changed when Brandon Alexander came back from injury in 2019 and everybody was wondering where they would put him. Well, 
let's just say I didn't have a middle linebacker on the bingo card. Um, but I think the Bombers are going to start slow, but I think they're going to gain ground as guys are healthy and as guys uh, get back into the lineup toward the end of the year, heading in the right direction for the playoffs. The other thing is we lost Nichols on the corner. So who's going to take that spot? Uh, obviously, there's some injury questions now with Winston Rose, um, who was in a walking boot at the last practice uh, before Regina. So to me, this isn't about regular season Blue Bombers. This is about getting them into position. They know what to do. If they have to finish third, and if they have to go on the road, to the West semifinal, the West final, and the Grey Cup. I don't think I'm too worried about that. Just get in the playoffs, get everybody playing the right way. Sure, Wade Miller would like the money, I'm pretty sure, for some home playoff games. But we have a team, C2019, that can run this thing on the road if they have to and kind of figure this out by committee as they go. Very, very excited because I think this team's got a very good shot to repeat with the man that they have at quarterback, assuming he stays healthy. And somebody is going to take the, the spot of Kenny Lawler at receiver and get all those extra yards, whether those are distributed amongst two or three guys. Somebody is going to break out in a big way, and the Bombers will right the ship in time to finish third in the West this year. Well, you know, guys, I keep looking at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and I try to pick them apart and I always try to pick them apart because, let's face it, it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That being said, they still got a great quarterback in Zach Kalaros. That place, I don't know what you guys do in Winnipeg, but boy, can you guys make running backs. Uh, And also a shout out to the University of Regina. Their guys are always ready and they're always, we've seen that last night, uh, Kyle Borsa on one side. And uh, the new receiver for Saskatchewan, I'm sorry if I can't remember his name right at the moment. Again, another University of Regina guy just building some great players out of the U of R. Anyways, uh, getting back to Winnipeg, though, I think that Winnipeg is one of those teams that I think will take a step back this year. And I know you guys are probably rolling your eyes because, yes, it's the Ryder guy saying that Winnipeg's going to take a step back. Here's my reasoning. you got Winston Rose, who's hurt. you got to start off fast if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, and get going early because everybody guns for the champ. It's the way it always is. Uh, that being said, Kalaros has had health issues over the past. He has not finished 18 games. Last year was not 18 games. He came into Winnipeg, won him a great cup, won him another one. I mean, the guy is going to make the Hall of Fame and probably should get a statue built outside of him, outside of IGF Field. I mean, he's a great quarterback. Uh, they got a great running game. I don't know if I like the secondary as much as I used to uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, that's a big question for me. Uh, the other one also that I really have a question on is receiving core. Yes, you guys did lose Kenny Lawler. Uh, you guys did lose a few other pieces into there. And let's face it, Kalaros needs targets uh, being a passing quarterback. Uh, he stands in the pocket. He doesn't move a lot and could take some hits. I know that offensive line is pretty much all there from the years before. Uh, but like I said, I just see Winnipeg maybe taking a step back this year. That being said, 
it's going to be one, two, three. You could pretty much pick them whichever way you want to do it. I know what I've said before was Saskatchewan one, Calgary two, Winnipeg three. Uh, and then I've said Saskatchewan three, Winnipeg one, and Calgary two. So to me, it could go any which way. It's going to depend on uh, one fumble probably ending up from uh, – my hope is that it's a fumble from Zach Talaros for a pick into the Saskatchewan for getting an end uh, pick in game 17. But that being said, it could go any way. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Bombers in third coming into Calgary. The biggest loss for the Bombers for me this offseason is Steven Richardson on the defensive line. I think he was uh, a very underrated piece there that we saw make a huge impact when he came back in after missing injury. The run defense sucked early season last year for the Bombers those first couple games. Richardson came in, they, they shut it down the rest of the way. That's the biggest one for me, Brandon Alexander. At safety is the other one, having him gone for half the season. Yeah, the defensive backfield a, a little bit worried because of the injuries. If Alexander was fine, if Winston Rose was fine, I'd be fine with it because he lost DeAndre Alford. I think, Mike, you said before, uh, Deatric Nichols. It's Alford, actually, that uh, the one that's gone. Nichols is back still this year. Um, but, uh, you know, they always seem to find a guy who steps in in that defensive back role and makes some big plays. Maybe it's a guy like Malcolm Thompson who had uh, a solid couple preseason games there. Wide receiver, you know, yes, you lost Kenny Waller. Yes, you lost Darvin Adams, but Greg Ellingson should fill at least one of those spots, and it's a chance for a young guy to step up. Dalton Schoen has looked great in training camp and preseason, coming out of nowhere. Uh, and may very well earn himself a starting spot here. Uh, running back position, I hate to say it, but I don't think we're really taking a step back at all much at this point in their careers from Andrew Harris and, and you know, given his health concerns and what you get from Brady Oliver and Johnny Augustine. Because the biggest thing for me of why I have Winnipeg first place in the West Division is the offensive line yet again. You know, you can talk about Zach Claris, you can talk about the run game, talk about the other pieces on the field. That offensive line to me is best in the CFL. And yes, they lost Drew Desjardins, but you've had Jeff Gray waiting in the wing for like two years now. Uh, you've got Liam Dobson, who's coming over first round pick last year. I thought long and hard about this. Who could I see passing the Bombers in the West Division standings? And I think the pieces they've lost, they have either shown in the last two years they could play without or they've replaced sufficiently enough that I don't have them taking a step back in the standings. I have the Bombers finishing first yet again this season. Anybody have any more thoughts on uh, Winnipeg here before we move on? Just quickly, guys. Uh, I, I think that as, as much as I say they're going to take a step back, I, I just want to clarify. It's not because I dislike the Bombers. It's because they've hurt us so much in the past that if you set the expectation low, you don't have to worry. If they exceed expectation, uh, two thumbs up. No, in all seriousness, I think the West is going to be the West. I just don't anticipate the win totals being as high uh, because I don't know if you guys addressed this in the Eastern Division preview last week. But I feel the wins coming from the East Division are going to be higher. Um, and, and it could be that, you know, first in the East and first in the West. 
relatively have the same amount of win totals. Um, I, I, I'm excited. I, I think uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of good football as it pertains to Winnipeg, as it pertains to Saskatchewan. But that I, I'm sitting here. We've gone through this whole division, and, and I'm saying to myself, what have we missed? You know, it seems to me so obvious to be putting this in the petting order. But as we see in hockey and in and in other football leagues, there's always that, oh, where did that? But I think we're in for some kind of a surprise that nobody sees coming. And I'm curious to see where that's going to come from, not necessarily pertaining to Winnipeg, but pertaining to the lead as a whole. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think uh, there's bound to be surprises every CFL season, and when the, there seems to be more parity, you never know where it's going to come from there. Uh, no, we're getting long here on this episode. Lots to talk about with the West preview here. So let's go rapid fire to end this off. Uh, uh, like we did for the East Division, uh, let's start off with MOP picks for the West Division, then we'll get into our playoff picks, uh, each of us here. Uh, Trey, you want to start us off with your West MOP nominee? Uh, Cody Fajardo from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, like I said, I think he's going to have that different year this year, and we're going to see it all year long, and, and we're going to see it into November. Adam, how about you? Oh, I would say it's probably going to be whichever kicker makes it out of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I've been thinking long and hard on this right now. And to me, I think that we're going to see Bo Levi Mitchell have a repeat. He's going to be the MOP and he's going to be back and terrifying the West Division once more. I'm going to agree with Trey on this one, I think. I'm going with Cody Fajardo as my West MOP nominee. I thought about Zach Caleros, but I think the offense maybe, you know, takes a bit of a step back. Uh, Caleros has looked fantastic the last two years, but I think Fajardo is going to get things going pretty well offensively this year, even if I still have the Riders finishing second or third in the West Division. Mike, who's your MOP nominee? What might surprise you, but it shouldn't. I'm going Charleston Hughes versus Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Wow, that that's a big one there. Re-added uh, previously, or former rider, former Stampeder before that, went to Toronto, didn't get much there. Back with the riders here. Uh, let's go to you, Adam. What do you make of uh, Mike's pick here uh, for Charleston Hughes? You know, I'm uh, I'm kind of surprised to hear that one, to be honest. I uh I don't know what I'm expecting out of Charleston Hughes yet. I I hope that he has a great year and that he has an MOP year. I mean, that that would be awesome as a, maybe a icing to the cake of a Hall of Fame career. However, I don't know if that's going to happen. I just, with guys like uh, with, that are pressing him there, I don't know if uh, Charleston Hughes is going to be playing all the games this year for one thing. And like I say, he's got a lot of competition uh, in that uh, defensive line, uh, which includes uh, Garrett Marino, who's going to really press him, I think, this year to uh, to give uh, Charleston Hughes some playing time. Don't get me wrong. I think Charleston Hughes is going to be out there as kind of a specialty pack. When you see a second and long, you're going to see Charleston Hughes. I don't think you're going to see him, though, all the time. But, hey, I you know what, Mike? I, I 100% agree with you. I hope that Charleston Hughes and Cody Fajardo uh, are both fighting for the MOP spots in the West this year. 
Is there something backwards going on here that the three guys from Winnipeg pick a Saskatchewan player for MOP while Adam from Saskatchewan goes to Calgary? Like, what's going on here? Uh, let's see how this plays out with the playoff picks here. Uh, so as we go through the line, give us who's playing in the West semifinal, who goes on to the West final, and who's going on to the Grey Cup. Uh, Mike, let's start with you here. Who's playing in the West semifinal? And uh, take us through your playoff bracket out West. Winnipeg, going to Saskatchewan and beating Saskatchewan. I have Winnipeg going into Calgary and beating Calgary. Winnipeg will represent the West. All right, Winnipeg representing the West here for the third straight year from Mike's predictions. Adam, let's go to you next. Uh, how do you see the West playoffs shaping out? Well, I see that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will probably go and take on the uh, Calgary Stampeders in McMahon Stadium. Uh, Winnipeg will actually freeze out, unfortunately, that time, and that's where the dynasty ends for the Bombers. Uh, Calgary will go into Saskatchewan, and I think that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, if you heard the preview last week, will be taking on the Montreal Alouettes to uh, exact some revenge from 2009 and 2010 in front of the home fans. And Trey, how about you? Well, if we remember, uh, my stupid face said Ottawa is going to get a crossover. So I have Ottawa Red Blacks playing Saskatchewan in the West semifinals. That's where that Ottawa is going to end, though, right there. Saskatchewan will move on. They will drive six hours east to Winnipeg. I don't have uh, I have it written down here. I'm going to take the Saskatchewan Rough Riders making the uh, – it's going to be an upset. I think it will be like a six-and-a-half-point game for the Bombers and the when the Rough Riders are just going to win right out. And, and I'm going to have Saskatchewan face the Argos, and they're going to get their home uh, Grey Cup. I like the bold uh, East crossover prediction. I thought I forgot we had that from last week. Uh, as for my uh, my playoff predictions here, I've got uh, Calgary hosting Saskatchewan in the West semifinals. Adam, cover your ears for this part. I have the Stampeders taking the this one. I think there's uh, so much pressure on Saskatchewan here uh, to get to the Grey Cup and win at home. And uh, Bowie by Mitchell. Whether he has a good season or not, I think he pulls it out in the, in the playoffs here. Uh, Mike, Trey, cover your ears because I have Calgary coming into Winnipeg in the West Final and beating the Bombers as well. I've got the Calgary Stampeders going to the Grey Cup out West to face the Toronto Argonauts. A rematch of 2018, I think it was, if I'm remembering correctly, is, uh, is my pick for the Grey Cup this year. Uh, anything else on the West Division? Final quick thoughts uh, anybody has before we get into wrapping up the show for today? Just really quickly, since I wasn't on the show last week, I thought I'd give my East Division uh, rundown. Um, I have Ottawa finishing first, Hamilton finishing second, Toronto finishing third, Montreal finishing fourth. Okay, give us the quick two-minute rundown of this because uh, I think this uh, differs a little bit from the consensus here. Ottawa first, then it was Hamilton, then Toronto, or then Toronto, then Hamilton, then Montreal. Correct. Can you explain to us? Uh, elaborate for a few minutes here for us. Okay. Uh, uh, I am really high on what Paul Hapolis 
did in Ottawa this offseason. I love Jeremiah Mazzoli in Ottawa. I, I just think that this is the year for Ottawa. Um, Mazzoli has the makeup experience, has the help around him. He didn't get Ottawa for first place. Second place, I think I said, was Hamilton. Uh, they're in much the same position as in the past. It's going to come down to that Hamilton-Ottawa season series. Mazzoli gets revenge on his former team. Toronto with Andrew Harris, very, very good. Uh, I just have some questions at quarterback with McLeod Bethel-Thompson, like always. And Montreal has a disappointing season, not under 500. That is what I'm going to say. Montreal is going to be last in the East, but will be 500 or one game above 500. That is how strong I think the East uh, will be this year. And I just think there's a little bit of question on the defense for Montreal. Uh, Vernon Adams has a chance to show that he's the number one this year. If that doesn't pan out, uh, it's Trevor Harris time. Uh, but again, something just, and it goes back to what I said earlier in this show, something that we don't see coming is going to happen. And I think this is where it happens. And I think, to be honest with you, as much as it's been Hamilton division the last couple of years, you could make a legit argument for everybody having a shot in the East Division. I don't think you can say that in the West, given what we've said about the BC Lions, but really one through four, all within the game of each other, and Ottawa getting that coveted home Eastern final propelled them to the Grey Cup just because of the toss-up in the rest of the division uh, that way. Well, uh Football's back, baby. It's so exciting to have it back. Uh, we've done our divisional previews. Next week, regular season games begin. That means our regular season content begins next week as well. Uh, Monday night next week, we'll have our fantasy draft uh, prop bets special. Look forward to our that final piece of our season preview content. Uh, and then Wednesday, we get into things with our week one preview. We'll talk storylines for each game, keys of the game, uh, fantasy players to watch, uh, bet, best bets for the week. We'll look forward to all of that. You can catch those on Wednesdays every single week throughout the season. You can catch our weekly recap every week throughout the season on Mondays as well. Uh, Catch them live. Join us live in the chat. Subscribe on YouTube. Find us there, the Canadian Football Countdown. You can also watch it on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter uh, as well. Uh, you can find the podcast on social media. On Facebook, it's the Canadian Football Countdown. On Twitter, it's at CF Countdown Pod. Uh, check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network there as well, at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, boys, where can everybody find what you've got going on here? Uh, Adam, let's start with you. Yeah, no, you can find me over at Adam Stewart One. Uh, again, I apologize for any tractor noise you may or may not have heard tonight. Uh, yeah, we're uh, if you want to talk agriculture, you want to talk farming, you want to talk CFL, you want to talk NHL, let's face it, uh, my team and uh, Ryan's team, I guess, are 
looking like it's almost a destiny that we're going to probably meet up in the playoffs sometime. Hey, come on over to Twitter, talk over, and uh, yeah, Adam Stewart won. I mean, it's not looking like destiny necessarily based on the result for my team tonight, but uh, <laughs> not the best game one uh, there, but we, uh, we'll we see how they bounce back. Uh, Trey, how about you? Uh, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Trey MB Harness. I'm the voice of Manitoba Harness Racing here in Manitoba. So if you want to talk horse racing, always down for that. Always down to talk football, any sport. Want to talk Star Wars? Oh, man, you can come talk to me about Star Wars. Uh, so, yeah, just that's at Trey MB Harness on Twitter. Yeah, Trey was trying to uh, encourage us to do a live reaction podcast for the uh, new Star Wars movie or show? Show? Disney Plus? Disney Plus show, yeah. All right, yeah, there we go. Uh, I didn't bite on it. Uh, we can do it if you want. I'll just sit there and uh, smile and nod. Uh, nothing to contribute to that conversation, but uh, check it out if you're a Star Wars fan. Uh, Mike, how about you? Where can people find uh, everything you're doing these days? Well, my disappearance from his podcast the last couple of weeks will fully be explained in the next couple of weeks so you can find that information on twitter at mike Gerald. you can find me on instagram uh game time tv mb or facebook.com backslash game time mb or sorry, game time tv mb my bad uh shout out to those of you watching on the game time tv youtube page as well uh we'll have some exciting stuff uh to come out Probably next week, since we're starting the season uh, next week. So really excited for that. Right on. Yeah, the uh, the mystery of where Mike's been is uh, close in the ranks to the uh, the mystery of is Adam seeding or not mid-podcast. Uh, there's been some debates on social media about that. Uh, I believe he was tonight. Uh, yeah, looking forward to those announcements to come, Mike. Uh, for myself, you can find me on Twitter at Cooper Trooper 42 if you want to talk CFL. If you want to talk CFL fantasy, uh, as much as I'm excited for football itself, I'm equally excited for the fantasy content to come. Uh, love talking uh, CFL fantasy, hockey, uh, reality TV, anything you want to talk about. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we, uh, we're watching. We appreciate if you do all the fun things, such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, uh, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. And on behalf of the entire crew here tonight, Mike Garrell, Adam Stewart, Trey Kolbeck, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.